Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned, line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is that God would truly have us to understand from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello there, God bless you, and welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be picking up a new book today, starting a new book, the book of Matthew. Now, each book of the four Gospels, each of the four Gospels, sheds a different light on Christ, meaning they, they focus on different parts of His life or uh, of His presence here on earth. Matthew focuses on Christ as God's King, whereas Mark focuses on Christ as God's servant. Luke as God's man, or behold the man whose name is the branch, so that flesh. Whereas John presents Christ as God himself, as it would say in Isaiah, Emmanuel, being translated, God with us. Now, the book of Matthew will focus on different spots, and there are different objects that are called out by Matthew than aren't in the other Gospels. Uh, One of those being... The kingdom of heaven, it occurs 32 times, just that saying occurs 32 times in the book of Matthew and nowhere else. And there's other particular sayings like that that are original to Matthew. So with that being said, let's just go ahead and jump right in. We ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. In the book of generation... The, the book of generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, or the genealogy. Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac Jacob, Jacob Judas, or Judah, and his brethren. Judah begat Perez and Zara of Tamar, and Perez Ezram, and Ezram Aram, which is Ram, of the Old Testament. Aram begat Aminadab, or Benadab, Aminadab, Nason, or Nashon, of the Old Testament. Nason beget Solomon, or Salma. Solomon, Boaz, which is Boaz, of Rahab, or Rahab. Boaz, or Boaz, beget Obed, of Ruth. And Obed beget Jesse. Jesse beget David the king. And David the king beget Solomon, of her that had been the wife of Urias. Now, Before we continue on, let's skip down to verse 16 because there's another genealogy in Luke. We went in pretty deep in the Christmas study, but let's see what we're talking about here. So verse 16, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. We just received Joseph's genealogy. What that means is that This is not Christ's genealogy. Now, how can I say that? Because Joseph had no dealings in in the child of Christ or in the man Christ, not physically, uh, biologically, spiritually, none of that. It all came from Mary being the flesh side and the spirit of God put in the spirit there. So Joseph, other than being an adopted father, had no no, uh, generational ties to Christ. Where you will find that is Luke chapter 23, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 3, verse 23, where 
you receive the true genealogy of Christ. And we'll just touch on it because there's one particular spot in here that is big time different from the one that we just read. So Luke chapter 3, verse 23. And Jesus himself to be, began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. This means he was adopted by Joseph, which was the son of Heli. So then who is this Heli? That's his in-laws. This as was supposed is by law. So now you're receiving Mary's genealogy, which is the true flesh genealogy of Christ. Why is that important? Well, Whenever you go, skip down to verse 31, you see that Christ did not come through Solomon, David's son, but he came through David through, from David through Nathan, not Solomon. And then from there back, it is the same all the way back to Adam in the great book of Genesis. So let's go on back over to Matthew chapter 1 now that we've got the true genealogy of Christ. And you might say, well, why is that so important? It's important because the genealogy of Christ is that key of David that opens doors that cannot be shut and shuts those doors that can't be opened. It's that genealogy that teaches you of the synagogue of Satan and the tricks that they pull and where they're at through the times, through, throughout the history, which is in this word. So Matthew chapter 1 and verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise. Notice he wasn't begat as the rest were. It was on the wise. It was with God's spirit that this came to pass. When his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately or privily. Now, this is similar to the temptation which Abraham faced a couple of times when he was going into Egypt and he told Sarah, hey, pretend to be my sister. Or, or we're going to tell him that you're my sister. And he wasn't, she was his half-sister, so he wasn't lying. But that fear, he allowed Satan to incorporate this fear into him to where he caused that to happen. Now, this is the same thing. He's fearing what might happen. And he's going to, he's, has, he's having this doubt. And this is the, that Satan putting that little bit of doubt in his mind to cast her away. The reason why he would put her away privately is because according to the law, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22, if he would have put her away publicly for being with child and she was a spouse to him, they would have stoned her. And he didn't want that to happen. That's why the, he was minded to put her away privately. He was a just man. Verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not, you see that fear right there, to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for thou which is conceived, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she said, Bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. 
for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus in the Hebrew is Yahshua, which means God's Savior, Yahweh's Savior. And that's the, that's the whole etymology, or that's the whole purpose that Christ was here, was to bring that salvation. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says that he shall come and be the Savior of all Israel. Verse 22, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall conceive with child or shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. Then Joseph being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto, and took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. It's very important that you see he knew her not. He had zero part in the birth of this child. It was strictly between Mary and, and our father. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, this Bethlehem being the house of bread, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, it doesn't give us a number on how many wise men came. It just says wise men. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And one thing here, he's not only king of the Jews, he's king of Israel. Because he's of that royal line, physically. And He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's king of everything. Verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. He didn't like this competition. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be, where, where Christ should be born. It means he was he was quizzing them. He was trying to, he was investigating, trying to figure out where this king was going to be. Verse 5, And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus, is it, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the prince of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And that's from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Verse 7, Then Herod, when had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently. He wasn't messing around with this. He wanted to know exactly every detail that they had. What time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search out diligently for the young child. And when he found him, or when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now he's setting a trap here. Because he's obviously not going to worship him. Verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them. Now see, this, this wouldn't be a, just a common celestial event. This was a miraculous event because it led them. Till they came and stood over, until it came and stood over where the young child was. It moved until it got to that point and stopped. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. 
And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream. Excuse me. Saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken out of the Lord by the prophet. Out of Egypt have I called my son. And that's, that was spoken in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked, or that he was deceived, of the wise men, he, exceeding, he was exceedingly wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, or the borders, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So he had figured this out. He knew almost precisely the time because the wise men, you know, they were honest with him. And so he knew it should have been about two years since Christ was born. Verse 17. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet. This would be Jeremiah. Saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. That's Jeremiah chapter 35, 15. Now, how does Rachel come up in this? The reason for that is because Rachel was the mother of Joseph and Benjamin. Whenever you talk of Joseph, his children were Ephraim and Manasseh. And many times in the Old Testament, when Ephraim is mentioned after the split of the tribes, when the ten tribes of the north left and Benjamin and Judah were left in the south, they were referred to as Ephraim because they were the biggest tribe. Then so naturally when you say Rachel, Benjamin's her other child, so then that's the southern tribes. So what they're talking, what is meant by that is that there's a great mourning and the, the mother of Israel, of, of the, the main tribe, the biggest tribe, and the southern tribe is weeping here. So it includes all of them. It's all inclusive. Verse 19, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For they are dead which sought to the, the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judah in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream. Even though God warned him about this, said, go back, you're going to be okay now. He still, he, he still had a little fear about him. <clears throat> he turned aside into the parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, you notice here that that says spoken by the prophets and not written by the prophets. And I believe many prophets spoke of this, just as there were times that says that 
there was a, uh, a prophecy spoken of by Jeremy the prophet or, or Jeremiah, but it didn't, it wasn't written down. Chapter 3 and verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. Or Isaiah. Naturally, it was speaking of John the Baptist, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. And that was Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 where that prophecy is given. And naturally, that's exactly what John was doing. He was six months older than Christ. He received his commission as a prophet just a bit earlier to go out there and get everybody ready to come in the spirit of Elijah, to turn the heart of the children back to the fathers. He's getting the children set up and ready to receive this salvation, which is Christ. Verse 14, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern gird, girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey, which naturally prophets food. Verse 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him, or by him, in Jordan, confessing their sins. So they're getting ready. They are. Their hearts are turning. They're getting ready to receive that great gift which is given on the cross of salvation. Verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? This generation of vipers, this is the offspring of serpents, or of the serpent. Christ would call them out this same way in John chapter 8. We'll move over there. John chapter 8, verse 44. And they are, at this point in chapter 8, they're quizzing Christ pretty hard. They're really trying to trip him up and do anything they can possibly do to get him to slip up. This is Christ. He's not going to. John chapter 8, verse 44. Christ says, You are your father, you are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Actually, we know who the liar, the deceiver is. That's Satan. And the first murderer, we know the first murderer in the Bible is Cain. So that gives you an idea of where these priests and Sadducees came from when they're called these generation of vipers, which is the same group that Christ in John says, you are of your father the devil. And if you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, the word 770, I believe it's 7017, is from 7014 in the Hebrew Dictionary. And what it is is Cain. Cain is the generation or the genealogy, the, the male offspring of Cain. And you might go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 55, and you'll see that the Kenites had worked their way into the Levitical priests as scribes. And they were working with the manuscripts and with the law. And they're the son of Cain who is the offspring of the devil, 
and you and, and they allowed them to begin in this position and you might think well why why is it so necessary to know why is it so important because the same high priest was not a god ordained high priest but the romans put him in his place they're the ones that brought him to the the high priest position and in genesis chapter 3 verse 15 the first prophecy of the bible God said, I'll put enmity between thy seed and the woman's seed, and you shall bruise his head, but and you shall bruise his heel, but he shall crush your head. And that comes to pass when Christ is crucified, because this generation of vipers, this offspring of the serpent, these Kenites that had worked their way in to the priesthood, also known as the synagogue of Satan, that claim to be our brother Judah, but are not and do lie. They are the ones that were at the at the trial, yelling, crucify him. And at the crucifixion, they bruised his heel. But what did that do? That opened up the spot of now Christ as kinsman redeemer being murdered by this offspring. That prophecy can be fulfilled to where at the end, at the great white throne judgment, he can crush Satan's head. Now, verse 8. Bring forth therefore fruits, meet, wor meet for repentance, or worthy for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So what he's saying is, don't put yourself on a pedestal. God can call out anybody. Anybody can be blessed of God. They're... Kind of, they're high and mighty and, oh, well, we're of Abraham's children, so we don't have to listen to anybody else. But it's not true. You still have to follow God. Verse 10. And now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. What does this mean? And this is meaning you can, you can judge a tree off of its fruit. If it is bad fruit and it's putting out bad, that's not one that God would have planted, just like the parable of the tares, which we'll get into in Matthew 13. The, you have the wheat and the tares. The wheat put off good fruit, but the tares put off poisonous fruit. It's called zoan. And they look identical until the fruit comes off. And the wheat is a nice golden wheat color. And the zoan it comes off with black produce or black fruit. And it's poisonous. And that's the only time that you can see the difference in the two is when their fruit has come out or their, their seeds, their grain. And so that's why Christ would say, don't, don't try to go out there and pluck them up because when you do that, you pluck up some of the good ones too. Leave it to him. At the end of the time, then whenever all the fruit is budded, then we can separate them out. Verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This fire being that, that, that all-consuming fire of God. You know, many get worried that whenever they hear the prophecies, such as in, in Revelation and, and Second Peter, where the world's going to be changed and, and the wicked elements or the, the rudiments are going to be burned away. And it makes some people nervous. But that same consuming fire 
that will consume away the evil is that warming spirit of God where if you're standing right in the middle of it, God will protect you just like the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. Verse 12, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly pour, purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, that chaff that's good for nothing. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade, or he was, he was basically saying, I, I'm not worthy of this. Forbade him, saying, I, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering him said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to feel all righteousness. Then he suffered him, or he, he allowed, you know, he, he went along with his plan. Verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened upon him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, this was divine affirmation uh, for anointing Messiah, anointing this one as the Messiah, letting everybody know, Look, this is the Messiah. This is my Son. This is me in the flesh. And I am so very well pleased. We'll pick it up in chapter 4, verse 1 of the next study. And we're going to be getting into the temptation. And just see what it is, how it is that Satan decides to tempt. How, what his method of operation is on that. God bless y'all and y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like to be answered on the podcast, you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com or you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas 75691. Thank you and God bless you.